Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to tell you about the Great Molasses Flood. Perhaps one of the best examples in history of the old saying that comedy is just tragedy plus time. In 1919, a gigantic storage tank filled with molasses exploded, releasing a 12,000-ton wave of molasses that travelled at over 50 kilometres per hour, flooding streets, destroying buildings and, sadly, killing many people. Uh, Quite a few alert listeners have written in asking for me to get across this, so here you go. Nash Kelly, Eric Whedon, Mitch Kennedy, Smith and Chris Fournier, let's get into it. Back at the beginning of 1919, as I say, in the US city of Boston, if you visited the Purity Distilling Company down on the waterfront there, you would have seen an enormous storage tank, 15 metres high, 27 metres across this. This thing was massive, like like a great big water reservoir, but it was painted brown. And occasionally, you might spot people there, you might spot it surrounded by local residents collecting the molasses that leaked out of it. But we'll get to that later. Uh, This tank was used to store molasses uh, that was then used by the Purity Distilling Company for a range of different purposes. Uh, And on the 15th of January, it was absolutely chockers. It was full to the brim with molasses, 8.7 million litres of the stuff. So, so, so much of it. Uh, a fresh load of molasses had just been dumped into it the, a couple of days previous uh, by a visiting ship, topping it right up, and and this is where this is where the problems began. Molasses, for those who don't know, it's a type of uh, of thick sugary syrup. Uh, it comes from refining sugarcane, and it's used in all sorts of stuff, but but mainly it's it's used as a, as a sweetener in in food and drink. Anyway, the uh, the molasses that had been dropped off by uh, by this ship a couple of days before the disaster took place, uh, it had been warmed up before being transferred from the ship to the tank because molasses, as I say, is very thick, it's very viscous, and so heating it up makes it flow faster, it makes it runnier, it makes it easier to move from one place to the other. However, this proved to be a bad move, heating it up, because uh, all this hot molasses goes on to meet the cold molasses that is already in the tank, and then this cold molasses begins to heat up after coming into contact with the uh, with the hot molasses that had been dumped in here. Uh, And, of course, as it heated up, it began to expand. And then, on top of that, the outside temperature spiked suddenly on this date. Um, It had been minus 17 Celsius the day before, uh, and now on the 15th, it had jumped up to 5, positive 5. So, a huge change in temperature, essentially, overnight. But it doesn't stop there. 
not only do we have uh, all these changes in temperature building up a huge amount of pressure inside the tank, the tank itself um, wasn't particularly structurally sound, as we'll talk about. And all of these factors combined to result in one thing. At about half past 12 in the afternoon, the tank burst open. It exploded and spewed forth a great wave of warm molasses. Local residents later said that they heard rumbling, they felt the ground shake, and then heard a great roaring bang as the tank finally exploded, accompanied by the machine gun-like sound of all of the rivets popping off as well. Molasses is heavy. It's like it's it's really, really heavy. It's about 40% more dense than water. And so while an exploding molasses tank and the consequent flood of hot sticky sugary syrup sounds pretty funny. I don't think the people staring down an eight metre high wave of molasses were laughing. This wave travelled at around 55 kilometres per hour, which sounds ridiculous, but apparently is true. It was travelling at the speed of a car on a busy street. What the bloody hell? And so with this in mind, with the weight and the, the, the velocity of this thing, you won't be surprised to find out that it essentially destroyed everything in its wake. Structures, bridges, streetcars, train tracks, buildings were swept off their foundations. It even picked up a truck and dumped it in the Boston Harbour. You can go online and see pictures of the damage that was done by the molasses, of of the wreckage left behind in its wake. You'd think a bomb had gone off, honestly, looking at these pictures, but it wasn't. It wasn't just buildings and objects, sadly. Uh, This wave of molasses spread at such speed from the tank that people and animals weren't able to get out of the way and and they were caught up up in it too. The Boston Post, a newspaper, it reported on what had happened. Here's what they wrote. Molasses, waist deep, covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled to form. Whether it was animal or human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. And here's the worst part. Even if it's not freezing cold outside anymore, it's still very chilly. And so after the wave had left, the surrounding streets flooded to a depth of about 90 centimetres in hot molasses, this hot molasses then started to cool down. Remember how they heated up the molasses to make it thinner, to flow faster? Well, now, as it cools, it's becoming thicker and more viscous, meaning that anyone trapped in it became even more trapped in it, having to fight through molasses that was becoming thicker and heavier and stickier with every passing minute. Now, of course, the good people of Boston, they raced to the scene to help people who were stuck in the molasses, cops, ambos, even the military all turned up to help drag people out of this sticky mess. However, they couldn't save everyone. And apparently some of those who died after essentially being suffocated in molasses uh, were so completely encased in it that even after their bodies were retrieved, they were unrecognisable. In the coming days, the molasses was cleaned up, uh, mainly by blasting it with salt water from fireboats, washing it into Boston Harbour and by doing this, turning the harbour into a beautiful shade of brown for many months afterwards. And while that got rid of the bulk of the molasses, there was still a lot of sticky residue left on, well, everything really, just everything it had touched, but particularly on the ground, which had a very interesting consequence. 
Obviously, the area hit by the flood was going to be sticky for a long time to come. As the cleanup continued, they dumped sand down to try to absorb some of the molasses, that sort of thing. But anyone and everyone, right, who came to either help with the cleanup or the rescue efforts or even just have a good old sticky beak or, a, as it turns out, a sticky foot at what, at what had happened during the Great Molasses Flood, all of these people ended up helping this sticky leftover molasses spread through the entire city of Boston. Molasses was tracked throughout the city by anyone who came to the scene. Rescue workers, cleanup crews, bystanders, onlookers, anyone who came to this area after the disaster ended up getting molasses all over the bottom of their shoes and tracking it away onto streetcars and subways, into businesses, into homes. Apparently, for weeks after the Great Molasses Flood, just about the entire city of Boston was sticky. Seats on trains, public payphones, even the floors of people's houses. The molasses just got everywhere. Anyway, victims of the disaster sued Purity Distilling, and they won. 150 people had been injured on top of those who died, and over 10 million US dollars were paid out to the people affected by uh, by the molasses flood. The company tried to claim the tank had been blown up by anarchists, but this claim failed because the the actual cause of the flood was something far more plausible and far more expected, good old-fashioned incompetence. I mentioned before the temperatures involved, and they certainly didn't help. Dumping hot molasses onto cold molasses meant that the cold molasses expanded, as I said, and add, to add to that, there was that huge spike in outdoor temperature. Also, there was some funny chemistry going on. Carbon dioxide was released as the molasses fermented in the warmer temperatures. That would have increased pressure on the tank as well. But all this raises the question, why wasn't the tank fit for purpose? Why did it explode in the first place just after having been filled up to the top? Well, let me tell you, Purity Distilling may have cut the odd corner here and there when building this tank, it seems. The steel that it was built from, it emerged, wasn't very good quality to begin with. It was all brittle and weak. And on top of that, the steel walls of the tank were half as thick as they should have been. And that, my friends, is by 1919 safety standards. Somehow it managed to fail even them. On top of that, the rivets were dodgy as hell. Openings into the tank became dangerous weak points that attracted stress fractures. The whole thing was a disaster waiting to happen. And on top of all of this, the tank was never properly tested after it was built. They didn't do something like fill it with water to check for leaks. And as it turns out, it had plenty of bloody leaks. Remember before I said that it was painted brown? That was specifically to hide the fact that the tank leaked, as when the molasses leaked out, it blended in with the brown paint. Not that this fooled the local residents, of course, who knew that they could head down to the tank and harvest molasses for themselves from these leaks. Free molasses, mate. Doesn't get any better than that. Although I think it's fair to say on the 15th of January, they probably got rather more free molasses than they probably wanted, didn't they? 8.7 million litres of free molasses. You'd have, you'd have to bake a lot of cookies to get through that. So... A poorly built, leaky tank that apparently made all sorts of worrying noises whenever it was filled up. What could go wrong? Well, the poor people of Boston found out on the 15th of January 1919 when an 8 metre high wave of molasses travelling as fast as a car destroyed half a neighbourhood. 
This is a very famous event in Bostonian history, even if it's not up there with the massacres and the tea parties. The Great Molasses Flood is still something that Boston is very proud of. And to this day, a century later, there are still Bostonians that claim that this area along the waterfront, the area flooded to a depth of almost a metre on that fateful day, they claim that on a hot summer's day as the sun bakes the previously molasses-infused pavement, you can still catch a whiff of molasses over a century later. <laughs> 